in, in that journey, right? Like that person is going to be there to guide that, but you're going to need services. You're going to need support. You're going to need legal and finance and sales and all these different people in the organization. So you got to be that orchestrator to make that a reality. Well, not only am I getting schooled here on the difference between customer service and customer success, but I actually had to look up how to spell orchestration. Okay. <laughs> so, so here we are, we're talking about customer success and you see, I started uh, proactive OR and I'm like, got you here. So welcome to the, the scale up Valley podcast here where we are today talking about customer success, everything from how they impact sales to how you structure teams, to how you plan and meet things so that we can get an idea of how to uh, modernize our success team, which is an orchestration. So for those of you who are just joining us, uh, this is going to be somewhat of a fireside chat, great conversation between the three of us. I'm going to be being uh, but at this point, I want to just sort of pass it over to Rachel and you can take the lead. And I'm going to be here listening and we'll chirp in when I can, but I'm looking forward to putting the puzzle pieces together, just like is behind Christy. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Um, so I'm really excited to be joining Christy again. We've, we've had this conversation in front of crowds and one-on-one -on -one before. So, you know, it's definitely a topic we're both really, really passionate about talking about customer success, what really matters in terms of measurement and scaling and, and structure. So, you know, Christy's been doing an amazing job over at Better Cloud, kind of not only fine tuning what they're doing, but overhauling a lot of the different processes. Um, same thing is happening over at Visibo with our team as well. So we have a lot of things that are overlapping to kind of set the foundation and just kick things off. I'd love to start with the structure of the team, you know, how the customer success organization looks inside of Better Cloud and, you know, how that looks different amongst, you know, what it looked like before into the future. Yeah, and so we've in, yeah. we've in just a little bit about uh, the company, maybe just an idea of, of the scale and size. And then throughout, it'll be fun to learn a little bit more as we go. But just so people are familiar with yeah, what you're doing absolutely. there at BetterCloud. So, so BetterCloud is a SaaS operations and security management solution. So we help organizations of all sizes secure their SaaS applications across their ecosystem. So if you think about it like Box and Dropbox and G Suite, Salesforce, namely Okta, all of the your kind of like critical mission critical solutions within a company. We help make sure that you're operationalizing them, have a single pane of glass, but then also securing user user interactions across those applications. So we work with all types of customers, um, definitely probably more cloud forward um, organizations that are really kind of embracing SaaS as their primary kind of solution as they're scaling their businesses. Um, so about the organization a little bit. So right now we're about 300 or nearing 300 employees. And the plan this year is to bring on another 100. So we are kind of in that hyper growth trajectory. We took another round of funding last April. So about a year ago, we took our Series D. Um, and so really now we're kind of putting that funding to good use and really building out the organization um, really top down. So we've brought on a lot of new executive leadership this past year. And now we're really kind of building out those teams with all that new vision and execution. So a little bit about kind of how we're structured in the CS organizations. So Rachel, you and I have talked at length about this, but um, when I joined Better Cloud about seven months ago, we were kind of going through this evolution where when I walked in, the team was 
you know, an account management organization, right? There was nothing about it that was customer success. We weren't doing anything proactive. It was really focused on the kind of in-quarter commercial activities around retention, around growth and upsell and expansions. But there was really no, again, proactive orchestration of the customer journey uh, through my team. And so, you know, over the past six months, I've really been assessing like, okay, how much of what we can do in the way that we're structured today, can I change? And like, what impact will that have on our customers? Is that the right impact? And so really what it came down to is that I had to make a very, very important recommendation to our executive leadership team, which basically said, hey, if we're gonna really scale and we're gonna put our customers first and we're gonna talk about that and actually practice what we preach, we need to be doing this very differently than we're doing it today. And so with the commercial intent and that focus in my organization, it was really difficult, right? We had a quota, like a sales team. And so we were operating that way. So the recommendation that we made was let's go move the commercial aspect of that, the upsell component. Let's go give it back to sales. Let's go hand that back to them and let them do what they're really good at. And let's make the focus of our team really around customer value, engagement, adoption. And, you know, if we own the renewal, they, you know, all of our customers are in a commercial relationship with us. So the renewal is kind of a, a given that that's going to happen. We're not hiding anything. So we're okay to own that. And that should be an event in the journey. We don't see that as like a big milestone because if we're doing our jobs really well, the renewal should happen, right? Like our customers, if they're getting value, if they're achieving their goals, if they're having a good experience with our brand, they're going to stay, right? So that to me is, is kind of something organically uh, part of what the customer success organization should own. So the way that we're structured now, um, which is very different than the way we were structured probably even a month ago, is such that we've got four segments in our, in our organization. And so our segments are broken down by organizational size. Um, and the reason why we did it that way and not a stronger focus on revenue, which is the other kind of other side of the coin that you'll see a lot of organizations do, um, we did it this way because it aligns with the way that we sell into companies. Because we sell on a per seat basis, we want to make sure that that's kind of the model in which we're using to, to organize our customers as well, which will help us also in terms of what resources they're going to need, right? In much larger organizations going to need more resources because what they're doing is, is going to be much more transformative with our solution than if you're a 60 person organization, right? It's going to be more like just working with their IT team, maybe someone in security if they have that. Um, so there's just less resources needed on our end. So we feel like we can build a good engagement model using that as the framework for segmentation. So we've got four segments. Um, really, our top our top tier is what we're referring to as our strategic accounts, and we define that by three thousand employees or more. Um, so anything above three thousand. Our enterprise segment is anything between five hundred employees and three thousand employees. Our corporate segment is anything that's sub five hundred employees. So it could be five hundred to you know we've got some organizations that have twenty people, um, and then we introduced this year um, a new segment which we've referred to as emerging. Now the reason why we called it emerging is because smaller organizations, especially in our ICP, so our ideal customer profile, are usually smaller startups, right? And they're cloud forward, but if you think about it, Urban Compass they were a small startup, Airbnb, WeWork, right? All these brands that are now massive, uh, Uber, right? They all started somewhere, and so we know that the next. Uber, the, new, the next Airbnb, they're all going to come out of what we're, we're referring to as our emerging organizations. So we handle them differently, right? We're not going to probably engage them the same way we would our strategic accounts, which are much larger, but we definitely want to make sure that they're top of mind for us because they're going to be part of this, this growth journey and hopefully we can go on that journey with them. 
Um, so that's how we're structuring the organization today. And then obviously within those segments, there's different levels of engagement that we work with those customers through. I think you touch on so many like really important points that are really high topics for a lot of organizations that are scaling right now. So the first thing that you mentioned was the change from, you know, an account management focused system yeah. to aligning with customer success and that outcomes driven um, like motivation. And even from our conversation when we were starting just a few minutes ago, what's the difference between customer service and customer success and account management? And I think highlighting a little bit of that, maybe just a, a minute or two about what those differences are will shed a lot of understanding into why you're changing those things. Yeah. So for, for account management, the real focus there was the commercial aspect of the partnership, right? Like they weren't focused on the education around the solution, right? What our platform can provide and ensuring that our customers were really adopting that. The account management focus was around understanding why that organization purchased and ensuring that they're going to continue to purchase, right? That we've met at least some of those initial product needs um, and that we're delivering that. But there was no real focus around, okay, well, the product does what you need it to do, but is, is the outcome of that really solving your business need or helping you achieve that goal? And so that's for us the difference is the account management aspect was like, gee, does the product solve what it is you need to solve for? Customer success was ensuring that you were using it to achieve that goal. So that's a little bit of that difference, right? And then obviously from account management standpoint, they were really focused on the commercials. So it was, okay, for the customers that are up for renewal, making sure that they renewed. For customers that have grown, right? Are we expanding them? And so are they growing through that means? Or if there's an opportunity for them to take advantage of another SKU that we offer and kind of moving up that. Um, and so it'd be really upsell focused. So again, we didn't have anybody focused on the outcomes for the customer. Like again, going beyond does the product do what you need it to do, but actually using the product to do what you need it to do. So that would be the difference for us in terms of how we're viewing customer success. Now, one thing that I that really was like awesome for me when I came to Better Cloud and something that I struggled with at other companies I had been with previously, we have an amazing technical support team. I mean, like world-class, award-winning, like everyone, every single customer, they rant and rave about how amazing our technical support team is. And so one, I was, I was thrilled that that was the case because it means our customers are getting their needs met. We've got a good SLA, that they're being very responsive. We're very solutions oriented. But on the other side, I was like, well, hey, why doesn't customer success have the same reputation? Like, what's going on? Um, so I was a little jealous of the reputation that our support team had, but support team really kind of, you know, they were, they grew out of a need, right? Like when we, as a solution, Better Cloud as a technology started, we were a point solution, right? Like we were this, this technology or this tool that did this one single thing. It solved this one pain point. And at that point, you didn't need an organization supporting a journey, you needed somebody who made sure that like the product did what it needed to do. If there was a bug, you had somebody who could raise that too. And so through that need grew our technical support team. And so they became the foundation of what became known as like the support function, right? And that's what our customers kind of thought they were getting. And so customer success became a sales role in the mind of our customers and technical support became what customer success should have been to some extent, right? In the sense that like we were helping them with the product and that they understood how to use it and maximizing the value. So we had some like gray area here, right? Like what did account management need to be doing? And like, what's the role they play? And what does technical support do? What's their role? Then where does customer success need to live? Because it clearly didn't exist. So really clearly defining 
internally first for us as an organization, where are kind of the rules of the road, right? Like what is the objective of each function and being very clear and prescriptive around that. And so really what came out is we built an account team, an account management team. And we said, okay, some of our customers need dedicated focus account managers. And some of them will get that in addition to a customer success manager and in addition to technical support resources. But it wasn't, it should have been an or, and that's the way we operated before. So there has been this like kind of evolution of making sure that each role was very clearly defined and making sure that there was a need for each role in supporting our customers as we moved forward. Yeah, I think that's, um, again, so important for the way that you're structuring your team is you have the resources almost to be able to focus that customer success role into really being that proactive orchestrator and like pulling in the the technical resources and the reactive resources that enables you to have that focus. I think a lot of organizations now are finding out, you know, what is the next big lever that I want to pull to yep. enable the organization to do those things. Um, a, a kind of baseline thing that I think is always important to mention is the idea that customer success, though we call it a department, is not just those people in it, right? The only way that those resources allow the customer success team to be successful is by having that customer success mindset themselves. Um, and, it, and that's always a tricky part. I think when we're getting into this idea of sales and account managers and people who are owning different parts of the relationship, even the integrations team or something like that, is making sure that they have that customer success hat on while doing their own job functions and responsibilities. So what is what, what kind of advice or experience do you have when you are, are sharing that responsibility? Like how do you bring in the account managers or bring in the sales team or bring in the CS team so that everyone has a very aligned mindset or, you know, like you said, proactiveness um, in the forefront. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably one of the more difficult things to do is to get everyone bought in. Um, so one of the things that I did when I got here is, like I said, at, at Better Cloud, people, they referred to the customer success team as like the renewals team, or we were referred to or grouped in with the sales team, which all of these things broke my heart. Um, so what I had to do was actually like give us an identity, right? And so I like gave the customer success organization a vision and a mission and said like, you know, this is, this is what we're marching towards, right? Like this is, this is why we exist and this is how we execute in making that a reality. Um, and so then what I did is I went on a tour and met with every cross-functional department and I actually laid out a journey that explained to them kind of like the three degrees of separation between them and the customer. Now, listen, if you think of the go-to-market teams, right, marketing, sales, services, support, customer success, right, like everyone understands the role they play directly with the customer. Where it gets, I think, where you need to do more education is like when you're dealing with like product and engineering and developers, right, because there is those degrees of separation where they might be working on a project and not really understand how what they're doing today impacts our customers, the experience that they're having or the value that they're gonna drive in their organizations as a result of it. So I went and met with every single function and really kind of gave them the framework of helping them understand the direct correlation they had with customer success and those outcomes. And honestly, it was an, like an aha moment for a lot of them where they were like, didn't realize the impact that they made. And once you connect those dots and you put the onus on them, and I did this with a lot of empathy, right? Like, you know, the customer's success is not, it's not my job. It's not my team's job, right? It's better cloud's job to ensure that our customers are wildly successful with our product, 
But not only that, they have a seamless experience and a consistent experience and a good experience with everything that touches them along the way. And that's that's finance, right? Like that's our invoicing process. What does that look like? It's legal, right? Do we have good, clear MSAs and DPAs that customers can execute on? Do we have a good, you know, kind of way that we work with procurement? What is our sales engagement like? Do we deliver what we say we're going to? When we say we're going to do it, does our product actually do what you told them it's going to do? All these things have like such a direct correlation to all of that with our customers. And so it's just so critical that we make sure that that is a mindset that everyone kind of owns our customers' success and their happiness. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And I think it's great to hear that other organizations, not organizations, other departments are being pulled into that conversation. And it's not just you know your responsibility, it's everyone's responsibility. Everything is a touch point. You think of any experience that you've had and it's a culmination of the, those moments that really add up to that that, that takeaway that you have about that company, that product or whatever it might be. So when we're talking, let's like dive in specifically to some of these, these pieces here, you know, we've acknowledged that every department has responsibility. Everyone's now aware it's very top of mind and getting them all to work together is a dance within itself, right? So, you know, at Bizabo, we have all these handoff processes. We have responsibilities, our KPIs are tied to one another. So how do you feel either it definitely shouldn't be or is an ideal world for, you know, the sales team's metrics or their, their KPIs to be tied to the CS teams? Like which parts of that should definitely be, be overlapping? Yeah. So, I mean, specifically when we talk about sales, right? Like we, we operate as a, a partnership, right? Internally, and we need to, for the success of our customers, there's got to be direct you know, kind of engagement between the two orgs to function in a way that's going to deliver a good positive experience for our customers and a seamless one at that. So with this new model that we're moving towards where sales owns the upsell, what I like about that is that the sales team is no longer kind of like hunting customers over to customer success where it's like, okay, not my problem, right? Like their success is on you now. With the sales team now kind of being part of that account team, right, for the kind of the entire journey of the customer, there's more accountability and there's more onus on them to ensure that we are very closely aligned with what it is the customer is trying to achieve, that we have a good understanding of their business needs, that the customer understands exactly what the product does today. It's okay if we talk about the roadmap, right, but we're, we're selling on what we have today, not on futures. And so because of this new framework, we've definitely got much more alignment between those two functions. And sales knows that in order for them to have an opportunity to grow those customers in the future, they've got to set us up for success. And we know that a customer that grows with us will have a much better kind of LTV lifetime value over time. And so that's important for us. So if we think about it, like it really is this partnership where like both of our metrics and KPIs as organizations are so heavily reliant on one another. And so I think when, you, when you're thinking about how you structure your organization and the metrics that you're holding your teams accountable for, making sure that they don't contradict one another is so key, right? So it's making sure that you've got such alignment that if I'm working towards retention as our goal, we know that customers that renew, great, they're, that, that's a great KPI for sales because they're also going to have an opportunity to swing at that bat, right? Like they're going to have the opportunity to grow those customers. So they care about customers staying, which is retention for us. And then we care about customers that grow because the customer is growing, they're using more products, so it's better adoption for us. So we try to just make sure that there is alignment there and that none of our KPIs or metrics contradict each other. Um, 
But, you know, from a CS perspective, we're looking at very specific metrics that are a little bit different than sales, right? For us, we're looking at net retention, which is going to be for us our, our revenue retention plus our expansions, um, but not including upsells, which is part of the sales KPI. So when we get to kind of net growth overall, sales plays a part in that, which is one of our business metrics. So it all kind of ties together. Um, you know, we're also looking at things like our churn rate and making sure that we're keeping that really low. Um, and obviously that's something that sales cares about because it's their book of business, right? Their territory. So if we're keeping them and those customers are happy, um, that's, you know, again, more for them to work with in the future. And then we look at things like our average, you know, uh, rate per user. And so this means, you know, our customers growing with us, which is a sign of a healthy account, which means customer success is doing their job. And same thing, that average rate per, per account. So again, as the account as a whole, on average for our customers, is that increasing? So all the metrics that we look at and we measure are very reliant on both of those core organizations doing their jobs well and kind of marching towards the same goal, which we just think is really key is that we make sure that there's really good alignment there on the metrics that we're measuring. Christy, real quick, just a, a, almost a step back before a step forward, when you were mentioning about the timing of when you first start off, right? If, we're, if, if you're listening, if somebody's listening to this and they just do have that one single product that they're selling and it's a smaller organization, where is the tipping point at which you, as an organization, say, look, we can't just keep selling this. We need to have this sales support. Is it a number? Is it uh, a cultural uh, you know, shift? Where is that moment? Because some people be like, I don't have a customer success team. All we're doing is selling products. So how do you know internally that it's time to make that? I think it's going to be a judgment call that each organization is going to have to make on their own. But I think when you have enough revenue that you now want to keep, right? You want to protect that revenue. It is hard to get a dollar, right? So at some point you got to make sure that you're keeping that dollar. There will be that number, that value for an organization. Sometimes it's driven by a few good or marquee logos, right? You get those big brands. That's when you're going to start to think about, oh, okay, well, in order for us to sell more, we have to have a story and these logos become that sales story, right? Like when you're able to say, hey, I've got a brand like Airbnb or Salesforce or Uber, right? Like these are massive logos that anybody would love to have in their portfolio. So you get like one marquee brand, you're gonna start thinking about, okay, well, how do I protect that investment? Or you're gonna flip it on its head and say, okay, well, there's gonna be a dollar amount, right? When you start getting a run rate of maybe, 250,000, right? And you're, you're going to want to say, okay, that, great. That's a benchmark for us. Now we want to invest there. And I think it's getting to a number where you feel it's going to be worth it, right? Because you want to make sure that you're investing in an organization that there's going to be some kind of like your profitability there. And you're kind of watching over investment in that. So I think sometimes you can get away with it. If your product is not super complex, if you've got a technical support team, you can usually do with that and have the AEs kind of nurturing some of those deals for a while. The more complex your product gets though, you're also gonna to wanna to start to think about customer success because now you have to make sure that you're, you're paying attention to adoption and usage, right? So I would say there's three levers. You're gonna look at some big marquee brands. You're gonna to wanna to protect those. A dollar amount of revenue that you feel like is now significant enough to staff some resources behind it or complexity of your product. So those would be my three things that I would take a look at as an organization to say, okay, well, are we there on any of those three things that would warrant a customer success function? And then when you get there, you're not gonna build out an entire team. You're gonna have one person and, and that person is gonna be ACSM and they're gonna support all your customers until that person raises their hand and says, okay, too much, too much. And then you're gonna go and hire somebody else and then eventually get to a point of scaling that. 
Yeah, and just to well, add I know to I know you don't have a microphone to drop, but I'll drop my pen. For you. <laughs> and, and exactly, I completely agree with Chrissy. And I feel actually because that exact thing happened to me at Bizbo. It was like I'm selling, and now I'm the CSM, and now I'm building the team under me. And it's almost like a, a natural occurrence, right? Like you just almost feel it when you're that tied to your organization. Like okay this matters now. Like we can't afford for someone to wear too many hats or be spread too thin. It's just not a chance that we're willing to take. So you also get that, that gut feeling, right? And then you get to look at all of those different buckets and like, all right, this makes a lot of sense for us, but either, you know, business-wise or just organizationally. And that growth is uh, an exciting turning point because then you're, you're keeping your customers and that's a, a good revenue moment for you. Um, kind of, picking up a little bit right before that is we, we talked a lot about accountability, you know, who's being held accountable for what area of, of the process. So the sales people are pre-sale, then CS, and then now we're combining a few people to make this team that is supporting your customers. When it comes to accountability, the, the first thing that comes to my mind and something that I work on with my team relentlessly is communication, right? How are we like you said, punting the ball over without fumbling anything? How do we keep that momentum and keep not only our team in line, but the customer too? Because if they fall off the wagon, that's red flag number one, right? Yeah. And they're excited. They just paid you a whole bunch of money. Mm -hmm. How do we you know, give them that instant gratification? Yeah. The few points I want to ask you about is that accountability. Whose responsibility is it to share the information and how responsible is a receiving party for questioning, challenging and digging in? Where do those uh, those feet fall when you're walking down that lane? Yeah, so we've actually just kicked off what we're calling Project Baton, which is literally the passing of the baton, right? From one organization to the next. And it, it is this has become like an internal orchestration of like, okay, well, when you have a customer that comes on board for the first time, right? It's from sales to CS and services. And then when services is involved, right, they're gonna be responsible for onboarding and enablement and getting that implementation set up. So then there's another handoff formally between that stage in the journey to then back to customer success. And then if there is an upsell opportunity, right, then you're gonna bring the, the AE again. And so, and there's that baton handoff between CS and AE again, and that knowledge share. And then, great, the upsell closes. Great, now it's gotta go back from sales to back to CS, because now we gotta go and implement that. Um, so there is, there's a, multitude of opportunities for this to go so wrong. Um, and so what we've done is, and again, full transparency, we've not perfected this by any means. We're in like the infancy of just kind of like creating all these swim lanes. We've been very prescriptive in exactly every single stage, what each person's role is, what is exactly what they need to be doing. We make sure that we are improving our internal communication through meetings, through our Salesforce hygiene and making sure that everything is in our CRM properly, um, proper documentation, but then also just really like using tools, right? Like we've got Slack, we're big Slack users here. So we've set up really cool like troop applications where, you know, deal closes, all the notes get populated into, into Slack and then the entire account team sees that and then we have the meeting and the handoff. And so we use all of the things that we have, but at the end of the day, what we've been very clear on is like, again, that mindset shift of like, our customer experience and their success, the onus is on all of us. Mm -hmm. And so we all are accountable for that. So what we've also said, we've got all these processes in place, but at the end of the day, if one of those processes doesn't feel good or right for that customer, because every customer is a unicorn, um, we gotta just forget the process for a minute and do what's right for the customer, right? So my customer might say, you know what? 
uh, instead of doing onboarding over the course of eight weeks, we want you to come on site and we want to be onboarded in two days. We want to do full training, implementation, be stood up. We need to be able to go. Great. Well, then everything about every process that we have out the window. And it doesn't matter, right? Because the customer, what they need is at the forefront of how we operate, how we think, and how we execute. And so being amenable to what they need when they need it, I think is really the best process. And so you got a framework because you have to have a framework. You have to have certain things in place because that's the majority, right? But those exceptions, you got to be able to be nimble enough to kind of accommodate that because that will happen. Um, customers have all kinds of needs and it's our job and responsibility to them to be flexible enough to go meet them where they want to be met. 100% I agree with you. And it, it, that actually segues right to the, the kind of like last question that, that I'll have here is something that I tell not even just my team, but everyone around me is if I could give you the priority of what I want in a person that's going to work with me next to me on my team, it's someone who can identify the way to balance, right? Who can be structured and can go with the playbook, build the playbook, and then iterate on the playbook. But then someone exactly like you just said, who can be flexible and, and know when to choose the difference, right? So balance and the, the ability to choose that balance is a key component that I personally have worked on over the years like at Bizabo and, and with my team at Bizabo, but I would love to be better younger. So what would you say for someone who's just starting out or yourself when you were, were starting, um, what is this lesson learned that you know, can contribute. We talked about the high level. Everyone is customer success. Everyone's contributing. We're all being held accountable the right way, but everyone's an individual. So yourself, what is that one piece of advice? Like I'm telling my team, stay balanced, stay on both sides. What is something that you wish you told yourself when you were younger, any new person coming in? So I'm going to, I'm going to answer it with a different answer first, then I'll answer your exact question. So ideally a good organization will empower their people to do the right thing. And I think people do the right thing when they feel they're empowered to, right? If you have process in place and you tell your team, this is the process, this is how we run, this is what you do. I don't care if you're two years into your career or 20 years into career, your career. If that is what your organization operates, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get people who work, work the process. Right. Maybe they'll iterate on it, but you won't be able to have that balance because you haven't empowered them to say, if this isn't the right thing for the customer, do something different. So I believe that before you have any skill or any ability to do that, it comes top down from the organization. Are you empowering your people? Are you supporting your people to do what's right for your customers? So any organization, if you really want the best outcome, empower your people, trust your people that they are going to do what's best and do what's right and make those decisions. I think empowered employees are the best employees. Those are the ones that will get creative. They will go off script. They will think creatively because you've empowered them to do so. Now, if I think about giving advice to my former self, um, balance is a great one. I'm going to give you something completely different. It may not even speak to that, but I'm going to give you like advice I wish I had in my career a long time ago, the ability to compartmentalize. And when I say that, it's for me, Gosh, like when I'm getting great feedback and my customers are happy and things are going well, that's great. But when they're not, I had a really tough time of like putting that into a box and just going back and focusing on what I could control. And I think the ability to compartmentalize is a skill that even still today I work on daily. But I think even though it may not directly answer your question, the ability to compartmentalize will ultimately get you where you need to be. 
Because if you can really separate out what's right from what the process is, or if you could think creatively, like I think that that is still a skill that's applicable in that outcome and getting there. And so for me, I think that's what it would be, the ability to compartmentalize and, and think about things the right way at the right time and, and not be distracted, almost be focused. Yeah, no, I, I love that idea. And I, especially in, in CS overall, in customer success and service, it's so important because our jobs, you know, as dynamic as they are, are there's always a, an element of repetition, you know, and there are ebbs and flows. I tell my team all the time, like, yes, sometimes it's really hard right now and you'll be really high in two weeks and then it's going to come right back down. So hold on to these feelings. I've honestly told them to make a folder in their inbox for like really positive customer responses that make them feel really good so that when we get down to that peak, I mean, down from that peak, like, remember you felt good and, and holding on to those lessons learned in both ways, I think actually balances them out as well. So I think we're yeah. approaching. From yeah, yeah. Here. Um, but I think that's, that's great advice. And I, I hope that it's something that people can really work on moving forward from here. Now, before I, I do a recap, I actually have a question for both of you I'd like to touch on. You know, I'm a big fan of the personal brand. I'm always curious how these larger organizations can support the employees. And, you know, um, Chris, you talked about empowering your employees. And so, you know, you talk about empowering them with decision-making, but also giving them bumpers in the bumper lane to throw the ball down and make sure that they're safe. But in this process of customer success, um, how do you see employee success as a result of supporting them in this process, giving them a chance to document their expertise, um, you know, sharing their wins publicly, letting them be involved in that larger public conversation, just a couple tips on how, you know, we're talking about success for the customer, but flip that to success for the employee to empower them, to let them be more impactful. So just kind of your thoughts on that. And then I'll, I'll wrap it up and share all of these crazy <laughs> thoughts that have been happening. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, the big thing that we do here at Better Cloud is, you know, I think there is a big focus on hiring really smart people and then also empowering them um, to make decisions. But what we do specifically within our customer success team is, I tell my team, like, I'm here to lay out the vision, right? So I might have ideas on how we execute against that, but I'm very also clear on what are the different projects and programs I'm working on. And while I'm not one to go and push things on someone, so I'm not going to say, hey, Bob, here's this project I'm working on. I want you to be the owner of this and you go quarterback that because guess what, Bob, this quarter might have a lot on his plate. And so what I do do is I say, here's all the things that I'm working on, right? And this is all what's gonna help us get to our goal. And I allow people to volunteer. And when they volunteer, I feel like there's this onus and kind of like this, this empowerment that happens organically inside of them where they have now decided that they're gonna step up, they're gonna own this product and it's theirs. And not because somebody told them to go do it, but because they really wanted to, they saw it as an opportunity for them to step up. And, you know, listen, there's going to be opportunities where people are going to want to step up because it's something that they're really excited about and something that they feel like they can very, they can have great impact in. And there's going to be other times where like, listen, they they have a job to do first and that's going to take priority, hopefully almost all the time. And so if they can't take on something else, that's cool too. And I don't measure their success or their, their kind of impact on our team and our, our success as a whole based on who's doing what, when. I want them to feel like they have an opportunity to do much more, to be much more. And when they do, that is their project, right? So they've got the platform all the way up to our CEO to own that. And all I, they've got the people 
the infrastructure, the resources, the funding sometimes to make their, their vision a reality. And so I think that's what we do really well here is that we empower people to be really smart. We allow them to volunteer to do these things instead of pushing our agenda on them. While I think delegation is important, um, you know, I'm here for a reason and, and my job is my job and it's not to delegate every single thing I do to somebody else. Um, but I think that that kind of empowering opportunity for them to step up when they think it's appropriate, when they feel like they can be successful, which is the other thing, right? Like you want to set them up to be successful. Um, I think that's, that's where they really kind of shine. And I've had numerous people this quarter alone actually get promoted because they always step up and, you know, you're going to get that too. And I, and I definitely open it up so that everyone has an opportunity to, but I have definitely some people on the team who are just like those stars who, you know, no challenge is too big. And, and when they say they're going to do something, they do it, they get it done and it's flawless. And the execution is really just, it's beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Rachel, your thoughts. Yeah, and no, I, of course, totally agree with Christy. The idea of enabling our, our team is number one, it makes my job easier. We can't do everything. So we need these rock stars and these all stars on our teams to pick up some of these problems that we need to be well executed, but we can't own 100% of our, ourselves. The part that I also want to add, add to it is I was in another talk some few months ago and the idea of the entrepreneurial spirit and kind of nurturing that. What are you, what are my team most passionate about? What is actually giving them a rewarding feeling? So combining that with what Chrissy's saying, these projects or these you know, things that they're picking up on their own, I try to present them with things that I know are going to enable empower and enable them to feel those things. So I know some of my CSMs really love building processes or genuinely excited about the puzzle, putting it together, taking it apart, putting it back together. And some people really, really like working with, you know, other teams and building bridges. So encouraging them to do that and opening those doors to allow them to do it and then giving them positive reinforcement, that candid critiquing that we're going to be able to fix some certain things and make it even better. Um, but having those very straightforward conversations like, hey, I want you to be successful here, outside of here, in the future, from this moment. What are you excited about? What, what is really great about your day? What do you look forward to? And then finding ways to align that with our bottom line, with our metrics, with our KPIs, and day-to-day -day responsibilities. So 100% enabling, empowering, and then just making sure we're opening the right doors for them and the right windows to see what, what else is out there. All right. Well, excellent insight. And almost to steal both of your words there at the very end, if I looked at this whole thing, it, I just keep hearing this empower and allow. Uh, it's a really interesting combination that shows your ability to lead with instruction and guidance, but also letting people blaze their own trails. So here's where we're looking at. This is the mental mind map here. And at the very end, I don't know if you noticed, but I added a little conductor stick to each of you here. <laughs> and a little musical notes around because one of the first things you said is that it's a proactive uh, orchestration. And really um, the, the vision that I have from what you're doing is you are conducting, you are giving the guidance, you are creating the beats, but you're letting people take their own solos and you're letting people um, add to the larger customer success. But, you know, it is a group. I have a good friend, uh, Michael Houlihan, actually one of the founders of Barefoot Wine, and he says, you're either sales or your sales support. That's it, no matter what. And I really heard that come through. So even though you have the orchestra playing with the customer success team, all of the sales are in the audience. All of the customers are in the audience. So everybody's just in one big room. And I think that 
um, you know, the idea of, of empowering yet allowing people and not jumping to customer success, but having it be an organic flow when you're asking yourself these three questions. Do we have the revenue to support it? Do we have these big brands that we need to protect? And at the same time, um, is this something that makes sense? So I like to say that if it makes sense, it will make dollars. And this is the type of orchestra that into and to build, and you've got this nice, uh, you know, nice instruments, but that investment comes fully rehashed when you get people continuing to show up to the theater. And it is hard to put people into seats. So yes, you're saying <laughs> them into seats, and then it's easier to sell them monthly passes or yearly subscriptions or season tickets and things like that. So what a fun conversation to talk about music, to talk about uh, empowerment, and to talk about you know, guidelines and regulations all within the same topic. And really when you're in a big theater, you don't know who you're sitting next to, but you're all there for the same purpose. And that is to help your customers solve problems, but then make sure that you are listening for new problems to help them solve. So I think this has been a fantastic conversation. I will never look at customer service slash uh, success because I just <laughs> yes and just think customer service. So uh, you have been successful at redefining my look at customer success. Yes. Uh, I just want to I, I thank you and I want to encourage everybody to uh, share this podcast, to take little snippets, to take this back to your leadership, to look at these ladies as an example uh, of women who are really empowering and allowing. And at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do here on the Scale Up Valley podcast is empower you and then allow you to take these and apply them in your own life. So you can check out more at scaleupvalley.com find these ladies on LinkedIn connect and um, uh, you know, to bring it back full circle. There's a lot of puzzle pieces like we see in the back there, Christy, but it takes a team to put it together. And sometimes it takes longer, but when that puzzle is done, you're like, this is great. Yep. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, I look forward to connecting and seeing you guys offline.